There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Walkie Talkies is a production of iHeartRadio and the College Athletes Network. Hey, Mo! Walkie Talkies gang, welcome into Walkie Talkies podcast. You're listening to WTZE 15, and if you don't know, that's our radio code for Walkie Talkies podcast episode 15. I want to thank you all for choosing WTZE 15 today. We're here on the College Athletes Network, featured on iHeartRadio, and I'm your host, Noah Bono. Now, today's episode is another two-part format featuring Brad Calipari, who was a former basketball walk-on at the University of Kentucky, a former graduate assistant coach at Kentucky, and is now the special assistant to the head coach at LIU Brooklyn. So there's so much different conversation throughout the two parts, so I will try to be brief and summarize quickly before getting into the interview. Uh, You can expect to hear a good amount about Brad being coached by his legendary dad, Coach John Calipari the values that his dad instilled in him and his older sisters, the worst moment that his dad yelled at him during practice. We talk a lot about Brad having 13 former Kentucky teammates who are currently playing in the NBA. And, you know, we get into all of that. And Brad was really open about what it's like growing up, being the son of a legendary public figure and specifically a legendary basketball figure and how he's been able to navigate through all of that and kind of keep striving just to make a name for himself outside of his father's, you know, huge name, you know, and with that comes, you know, how hard Brad has still had to work to maintain the opportunities he's been given with playing at Kentucky. And then most recently being a graduate assistant coach on his dad's staff there, 
you know, Brad's now ventured off, as I mentioned, after one year on staff at Kentucky, is now the special assistant to the head coach at LIU Brooklyn, and he touches on what his role is like there, his different style in coaching from Coach Cal, and the importance for him to kind of get out and see different brands of basketball from different types of coaches. Just a lot of cool stuff all throughout the episode, and it's kind of why I had to split the conversation up into two parts, and part one really is only roughly 42 minutes if you don't include the commercials, so I hope you guys enjoy it. I did not give a full summary man there's a ton of things that i left out of this intro that we are going to talk about that are super cool and super fun to hear about from brad so i hope you guys you know enjoy part one and choose to come back for the second half of our conversation next week and before we get into it i do want to just ask for you to please make sure if you like what you're listening to to subscribe to walkie talkies podcast those downloads go a very long way for us and lastly if you'd be so kind to leave the show a review on whichever app you listen to your podcast on those reviews go a long way as well and i would really really appreciate it so with that being said let's get into my full conversation with former kentucky walk-on and graduate assistant coach brad calipari first of all uh was it decided for you that you were gonna hoop right when you were born or you know did you go to your dad and say you know i want to play baseball and your dad was like no no like you're playing basketball like how did how did that come about like were you always a hooper yeah for the most part um like, even when I was, like, real young, I always had a ball in my hand, and that's probably, like, part of his dream, too. But, like, as I got older, there were times, like, I played baseball, I played golf, like, other sports where, you know, like, I was probably better at golf than I was basketball. But he was never like, oh, you have to play basketball. It was never like that, which I think helped me develop more of a love for it anyway, more than I already had, because he wasn't forcing it on me. So right. it was more of... This is actually what I love to do, and I want to keep doing it, no matter you know what it is. Like, I played baseball till like seventh grade, and then just like said, forget it. You know, I'll stick mm-hmm. with basketball, and same thing with golf, really. But I probably should have stick with golf more than I did basketball, just because I probably would have had a better career. But you know, that that is what it is. Yeah, I think that's funny too. I, I always say like maybe I should have just kept being a baseball player, done something, maybe a something track like athlete, like anything but basketball. <laughs> um, so you're a pretty good high school player. Went to a prep year. Was it a no brainer for you to go to Kentucky out of high school? Was that like that always in the cards for you, no matter what? No, not really. Um, there were a couple places I could have gone outside of that, which you know, it may have been fine. But for me, like going into it and in our prep school league, like we played against and played with like a bunch of high level players, which is like, that was what I was used to being around. And like, for me and my development, I got lucky because like I walked on, but I was in practice every day. It's like some walk-ons, they don't have the luxury of being in practice every day and competing. I got lucky through each year. I was able to be in the, all the live stuff in practice every day where, you know, I was really able to get a lot of development off that. And then by myself, and that was ultimately what I wanted to get was like the development against the best players which is essentially why people go to uk you want to play against the best and see what you can do right so how much of you know i'll put you on the spot here how much of you you know getting those live reps and you know being around all that kind of talent and still being able to insert yourself and play how much of it had to do with your own ability and your dad just being like yeah come on like brad you're gonna play of course like he would he would never do that if if i was slowing down practice he would like he wouldn't even gave me a chance to get on because how he moves he doesn't care he does not care like if it was like that he would have played me way more than what he did like he does not care at all so it was a lot of that like in practice was my own ability just be able to keep up and maintain with guys in practice and actually make it competitive yeah and how long do you think you know was it a probably a steep transition from where you were at to getting into, 
you know, a gym with nothing but five-star talent, how long do you think it took you to kind of adapt to be comfortable um, and like stick around on the court without him saying, you know, you're slowing us down? Definitely. My second year was much more valuable to me and like what I was able to do and accomplish my second and third year. And then after my third year, I felt like, you know, I am actually competing at a higher level with these guys. Now let me leave and go do this at a different school at a little lower of a level. So ultimately, you know, you do three years there, you're a part of 88, 88 wins on those three years. In those three years, you go to two elite eights, two time SEC tournament champs. You like, you, you really got to see the full, the yeah. full glimpse, you know, you didn't get to a final four or win a national championship, but I think most of us would say like, you got to do pretty enough. Clean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty clean Absolutely. resume for you. So, you know, you ultimately do three years, you graduate. And I think you redshirted that third year before transferring. Yep. So you saved some eligibility. So did those right. pieces come together um, as the years went on? Or did you kind of know, like utilize this development and then transfer? Like, where did that plan come into play? If I could redo it, I would have redshirted my freshman year. I just didn't think about it because I mean, that year, like, you had Isaiah Briscoe, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk. You had a lot of guys that were, you know, all drafted NBA, like whatever. So if I could have redone it, I would have registered that year and then developed through that summer that year and been fine. And then it probably would have given me a little bit more of an advantage my last year. But, I mean, it's the path that I chose. And, you know, it, it was kind of nothing was like, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this. It kind of just like I worked my – ass off for the last three years so now I'm at this point now I need to move from here and how am I going to operate from this and what am I going to do to put myself in the best position right because you know coach Cal your dad like he was probably pretty realistic with you with what your you know potential was on the team I'm sure that if you were worthy of a scholarship or he thought like you know he can help the team win like that would have been the case or even if you would have just been like you know one of the lower scholarship guys, I'm sure that would have been enough for you. Or maybe it, you could tell me, maybe it wouldn't have been enough for you, but you were clearly looking for something more to kind of go and show like, you know, after these three years of development with all of these talent, all of this talent I'm around, like I'm good enough right. to go to a mid-major, a low major, which is what you ended up doing, played two years at Detroit Mercy. Um, like, is that what you wanted to do all along? Or what did it kind of like reel back in? was like, I, I don't really have much of a choice. Like this just makes the most sense for me. So like for me, like after after my first year, I was on scholarship my sophomore, junior year. And then, yeah, that was it. So first year I was on scholarship, second and third year I was like it was it's clearly yes, it's nice because like, yeah, you could like I got this and this right. But for me, like the ultimate goal is like you constantly hear stuff like, oh, you like you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be here, blah, blah. You're not good enough. So now, like for me, it turned into like. I don't really care what anybody says. Like I've proven to myself that like, I can compete at a higher level. So I'm going to go do this, not only to show others, but mainly myself, like, cause all you hear is the same thing. Like I said, you're not supposed to be here. You're not good enough. So now I hear that so often. It's like, sometimes you don't want to believe it, but like you hear it so much, like sometimes you start to doubt yourself, but it's like as much work as I put in, like throughout the years, the summers, whatever it is, like now I got to, show myself, I got to take that jump. I got to take the risk to see like, look, can I do this myself or, you know, am, am I really not good enough? So now I put myself in a position, like if I fall, I fall, but you know, if I jump and I make it, I'm good. Like, you know, it's, it's something I had to take a risk on, which, you know, I bet on myself, even though it was a lower level, it is what it is, but you know, I was good with what I did. And you, and you don't regret that, that you would have done that part of it 
over again, like, you know, go to Kentucky and then ultimately try to, you know, just prove to yourself, like the work I put in, I trust it. I'm good enough. Like you end up playing what 27 games at Detroit Mercy started in six of them. And I think the following year, you didn't play much. I don't know if you got hurt or you had some COVID stuff going on, but ultimately you had, I'll let you touch on that. I just want to finish this question because you had that COVID year, you had a sixth year of eligibility essentially, and you didn't use it. So break that down for me uh, and the listeners and what happened there. No, so the COVID year, I just felt like I would have been too old. Like, I, I redshirted already. <laughs> and then, like, you know, I was already a year ahead because I redshirted. And I was like, you know what? Like, either I'm going to try to play overseas or I'm going to get right into coaching. And ultimately, um, I was just like, you know, I'll get right into coaching because just I felt like for me, that was the the best path to take. And that's ultimately what I wanted to do anyway. But um, no, like, Detroit was a good experience. We had a solid team. Like, we, meshed well first year we struggled but like the COVID year you know we had a little bit of a better team and you know you had games where you have forfeits and teams can't play so it was it was up and down where you know guys had to really you know buy into each other and like the opportunities we had for games like you really have to step up because now you have less games now you have to it's more pressure to win games to either be in conference tournament because if you didn't hit x number of games you didn't even get into conference tournament so like there was much more pressure on those games where opposed to the last year, it was a little rougher, but you know, you didn't have a certain number you had to get to. Right. So, you know, kind of taking it back to the Kentucky walk-on days, you said you were on, you were walk-on the first year and then you actually got put on scholarship those following two years. When did that happen? What was, was it just ultimately like conversation between you and your dad? I don't know how many people knew that and not that it's a big deal or anything. I just always was under the assumption, like, yeah, I oh, just walked on there. But like, like I said to you, you know, when we got on the call was like, your dad is a coach and anybody who works at the institution, like their kids get free tuition anyway. So really you were always on scholarship, but how did it come about that conversation come about for you guys to put you on scholarship? Um, it wasn't, it's was nothing like crazy. It just after like that year in the summer, like he knows like how much I would be in the gym, the amount of hours I would put in. And, you know, he saw that I was really taking it serious and like, this is what I want to do. And like, I'm trying to be the best version of myself that I can be. And, you know, after he probably developed that, like, all right, you know, like this is what he's going to do. He probably felt more comfortable. Like, all right, we have a scholarship, like I'll put you on it. You know, it was more of just like, I got a call, like, you know, I'm gonna put you on scholarship this next year or semester, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, go from there it wasn't anything yeah so so explain what the dynamic of being a walk-on was there like every school gives off its own vibes towards walk-ons you had already kind of alluded to that and how some walk-ons don't get the you know the privilege to practice and get live reps like what did it feel like for you to be a walk-on on those high caliber teams that your pop also happened to be the head coach of like what was that whole dynamic like for me like i said it's it's much different because I've seen like even before I was around, there are times when there are more guys in and some of the walk-ons don't get to practice. You know, they just kind of stand on the side, do their own thing. You know, it is what it is. They help with drills. But for me, like I said, I was lucky. I was able to be in the live reps in five on five and all the like basically in everything. I was in every practice every day. And I think that helped a lot in my development and how much I was able to get better throughout the year on top of individual workouts or whatever it is, because in each practice you're going against the best guys in the country. So inevitably you're getting better regardless if you're working out or not, because if you're actually competing at a high level, you're getting better naturally. And, you know, like I said, I was really just, you know, lucky. It was more so I didn't 
have to do nothing all day. Like I was actually, mm-hmm. you know, having to go at it. Yeah. Okay. Let's have a little fun with it then. So was there a worst thing that you can remember happening to you because you were a walk-on? Is there anything that maybe floats around? It's like, ah, you know, nothing. Uh, no, not really. Not not off the top of my head. I never really had any bad experience. All the players I was with were all good. They, mm-hmm. Everybody treated each other with respect, even the some of the other guys that were on the on the team. And, you know, everybody got along. It was never any animosity or dis- yeah. anything like that. All right. How about anything in specific about being a walk-on that you found to be the hardest thing during those year two years however long it was that you had the walk-on title like you know was it sitting at the end of the bench knowing you're never going to get in the game like what or maybe something deeper than that that was just hard because you had that walk-on title um probably just the part where you're not playing as much and you know that happens you know it is what it is and some games you get in some games you don't and then um like my second and third year like my second year I played like some significant minutes like I had times I was you know, getting in playing and other times I didn't. And, you know, that's what I signed up for. Like you said, my dad kept it a buck with me. He was like, look, there's going to be times you don't play or maybe times you play. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you you're going to play and tell you you're not going to play. Just, you know, things happen. Guys get in foul trouble. All right, I got to go in. And guys don't. Guys are rolling. Guys are playing better. You're not going to get in. You know, it just is what it is. And if you're going to be a part of – and that's like something that makes UK special is the guys, they're always good teammates. So whatever your role is – you got to be really good in your role, whether it's I'm not playing this game because guys in front of me are playing better. So I'm cheering or, you know, guys are yeah. struggling. So you got to support them and everybody's really there for each other. Right. And a lot of that has to do with just how your dad has cultivated, you know, that culture over right. the last, what, 15 years that he's been there. Um, and people just, you know, coming there and embracing what it is that he is about, what he embodies as a coach. But the last part of that little three-parter with your walk-on stage, even if you, when you weren't a walk-on, what is the worst moment you've had with your dad, Coach Cal, yelling at you during practice or a game that maybe you were like, holy shit, that was bad. Okay, that answer is coming right up after this quick break, plus all the stuff that Brad has had to deal with because of who his dad is, as well as the values that Coach Cal has instilled in Brad and his older sisters. Brad's also going to talk a little bit about his goal is to be better than his dad and not succumbing to the pressure. Really cool stuff. You don't want to miss it coming right up. And in the meantime, click that subscribe button and leave the show a review. I'd really appreciate it. And don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? 
it's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back here on part one of WTZE 15. Let's get right into Brad's answer on that worst moment that Coach Cal yelled at him. Um... So there was one practice my second year. And when my dad coaches in practice, his mind moves really fast. So sometimes he will either say the wrong thing and then you do what he says, but he really meant something else. So he goes crazy, but like there's times where that happens. So one of the times he told me to do something, I did it. And he, whatever it was, he was irritated that day. I don't know, lost his mind. And I told him, I was like, you told me to do this. And then he just lost. He said, shut the F up. I get the F out of out the gym and I'm with Hami Diallo right next to me. He was on defense and he just started bust out laughing. And I'm trying so hard not to laugh. Cause I'm like, if I laugh, like he's throwing me out of practice. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm still here trying to keep it together. Like, all right. Like that's that. Like, I'm not saying nothing else. Like I'm good. Yeah. How, it, it had to be crazy though, because like, you know, he's your dad and I'm sure that like behind closed doors, like you'll talk back and, and you'll have your, your arguments and your debates. And in that moment, like it was probably hard for you to swallow your tongue and not be like, dad, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, the Italian blood in you, like I would have, I would have said something back to my dad, but like, you know, just would have been second nature. There's times where like, I don't really talk back to him often, but like, there's times where I was like, you told me to do this. And then in your mind, you're thinking you told me to do something else. So I was like, you told me, like, go this way. And that was that. And then he, when he started tweaking on me, I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting in the middle of that, not in the middle of practice, nothing. So I just had to let that go. I'm like, you know, it is what it is. Was it a frequent occurrence or was it kind of rare when you would get reamed in practice? No, I mean, it was not frequent, but like I didn't really – get in like I was I was a higher IQ player so I didn't really have much like issue either right. things the correct way or you know but you know he was harder like he was hard on me like he was everybody else it wasn't like oh he doesn't say anything to me because you know that's my dad like there was times he was much harder on me than he was other guys just you yeah. know probably sometimes to make a point to other guys in the gym that you know it, I don't care who he is like he's my son I don't care right you know like I said and- there were times where you know He's going at me and, you know, it's fine. It's what I signed up for. So, yeah, seriously. And I mean, it would be weird, you know, if he has his kid there and and you're just being pampered and catered to. And it's like, you know, I would if I were you and that was the case, I'd feel uncomfortable. Of like, can you please scream at me and coach me? You know, like, but 
I really didn't when I even before I asked you, I really didn't expect that to be the case. Like I, you know, I figured he had zero problem getting on you and, and the same way he was getting on, you know, Malik Monk and Briscoe and all these superstars he coached. You know, obviously you said that he gave you a fair chance and, and an opportunity in, in practice and the scout team to hoop and ultimately get better. But, you know, was there a mutual understanding and like agreement between the two of you for you to get better, you know, around all that four and five star talent? Like a you know, Brad, if you're not doing this and that, like, it's going to be hard for me to use you. And if you do, then, you know, you won't have any problem. Like, was there that conversation leading up to going to Kentucky and then ultimately when you were there, you know, about that kind of stuff? Not that I remember because I never had an issue working hard. And I think he knew that. So it was never like, yo, if you're not doing this, like, I'm not going to like, I think it was kind of, it didn't have to be said. Like, you know, it, like I had been around it enough to where I knew like it didn't need to be said. Like if I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, like it was going to be a lot harder. Like if I was doing right. what I was supposed to do, it was going to be hard, but I'd be able to maintain. So I think growing up in that and understanding like, you know, this is the best of the best. And, you know, you can't shy away from it. You can't like if you're if you're not working hard, like you still got to look yourself in the mirror and be like, all right, like I'm not doing enough. Like, you know, I can't look myself in the mirror and be like, oh, I'm doing enough. In reality, I'm not. Right. A lot, of, a lot of accountability on your side, and you know, as all of us young kids need to have. But, um, you know, I think the dynamics of you being coached by your dad are super interesting. And obviously, like from a spectator and a fan's position like myself, all these years of just like the legend of, you know, Coach Cal Perry and just like what he means to basketball and college basketball, you know, overall. Um, it's super cool. And I, I don't want to bring up the legend, a ton of your dad, you know, because I'm sure when people talk to you, man, it's, it's probably all they mentioned, like, you know, you're, you're coach Cal's son, like, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm coach Cal's son, but I'm also me. Like, I'm also, you know, Brad, the human being, like got my own life, got my own stuff going on. It, it, like I said, cool from an outsider's perspective, no doubt, but like for you to hear about it all the time, like it's got to get annoying. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, there's times where it's like, you just get used to it and it's like, all right. I mean, like one of the, there's one thing I don't really like, oh, like this is Coach Kyle's son. Like, I don't mind if you like, this is Brad. Yeah, he's Coach Kyle's son. But if it's like, all right, this is just Coach Kyle's son. I like, that is something that kind of bothers me. Right. It's like funny. That, that introduction of like, oh, yeah. you're just Coach Kyle's son. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where it's like, come on. Like, wait, fin finish what you were, when I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Cause like I was talking yesterday, it's funny with, uh, with Raj Strickland's daughter, Tanner. I've known Tanner since she was, four or five years old and she was saying the same thing she told me she was like yeah people introduce me to people as rod strickland's daughter and i'm like no i'm tanner i just started laughing i said <laughs> i said i love to hear that that's the best yeah um and it you know it, it's also got to be hard having people in a sense maybe if it's you know just in their own heads or even if you know public figures like people within the media do the same thing automatically kind of placing you in the shadow of your dad without even fully letting you grow and, you know, develop into your own self, like you're 24 or 25, giving you a fair chance to show everyone else who you are too. And I think that like, you know, stepping away from Kentucky in your playing days and going somewhere else and kind of, you know, showing that you can, and you're not just like, you know, always by him, always needing him. Cause you don't, I mean, like you're an adult kind of thing, but do you feel like that happens a lot with you or, or not too much where like people are just automatically placing you in that shadow? I think they do automatically place me in that shadow, but part of the reason why, I left playing and then also like as well as coaching like what's the show like you know like I'm going to do this on you know my own path I'm going to have my own name I'm going to do this my way and I'm going to be great at whatever I do so I think part of that is to show like you know I don't always have to be by his side doing you know 
things with him or whatever it is. And it's like, obviously it's great to be coached by him and it's great to coach with him because he one of the best to ever do it. So it's like, you can't pass up opportunities, but at the same time, it's like I've grown up in and around that. So I also need to expand my knowledge on who I'm coaching with or who I'm under, whatever it is, just to see different styles of play, how they coach, whatever it is, because I'm accustomed to one, two, three ways that, you know, they've been successful, but you know, everybody's different and I'm going to be a different type of coach than my dad. And, you know, we're not the same personality type in some aspects where, you know, there's times where he's more fiery. I'm not as fiery. Like when he was younger, he was crazy. I don't see myself like that, but at the same time, <laughs> I haven't been a head coach yet. So I, the flip may, or something may flip and I'm just like, you know, that's how I am, but I have no idea yet. So I think part of that is just really just showing like, you know, I'm going to have my own path and do this my way. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think that'll be the most special thing for you is like just making that name for yourself. Um, right. You know, because there's like, you know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier about just like not caring about the noise and like letting some of that stuff seep in. But at the end of the day, like while you were growing up, it had to be a lot harder to eliminate that noise and all that chatter because you're young, you're immature, you don't really know, you, you know, you're insecure. Exactly. We're all insecure when you're younger. So, you know, I, I, like I said, you've probably learned to tune it out. And obviously people look at you, I think from my perspective and just hearing your name around the basketball world, like I've been a walk-on for five years and it's like, ah, uh, you know, he's only got it, you know, because of his dad. And it's like, don't you think it's funny? Like, you know, it's like when people say that I always laugh. Cause I'm like, bro, if your dad was your coach or if your dad was a coach, like what, yeah. Wouldn't you want, oh, let me, let me rephrase that. Like, like if, if you had a son, you'd want him to play for you. Boom. That's all. And, and it, like I played with Antoine at Detroit, you know, Kelvin Sampson's sons with him. Like there are so many instances where, you know. Right. I mean, you have Buddy Bayheim, the Bayheims like, at Syracuse. Exactly. Like Antoine was committed to Houston before Detroit. And then when mm -hmm. his dad got the job at Detroit, he wanted to play for his dad. And that's right. it is what it is. It's like, yeah. all right, like this is what I want to do. And it's nothing like people can say, oh, nepotism, blah, blah, like. <laughs> Like, okay, like, you know, that's fine. But, you know, if anybody in their right mind, like they had a son that was playing and they had an opportunity to coach them, they'd want to coach them. Yeah, like come be on my team. It's it's a no-brainer. He wanted his he wanted his kid around. It's like, you know, if I could coach my son in basketball, I'm gonna coach my son. And like I and just think it's never yeah, he had never coached me ever. Like he didn't really work me out like when I was younger, like he never coached me in high school, middle school, like nothing. So I had never ever really been coached by him. I just been at his practices and everything. Like I would always work out with Kenny Payne I worked out with Rob when I was younger like a lot of guys were you know he was never doing the workouts with me it was just kind of like you know I'm there watching his practices yeah and, and you know it, it's just annoying because like some people can't wrap their mind around the fact that like you know there there is this I don't know what it is I mean like why you were picked for it it doesn't matter why you know it's just like that's your you're the son of that man that man accomplished these things and so therefore like it's no different than, you know, him coaching you in little league or, or like any dad coaching their kid in little league. Like you just so happen to have the privilege to be coached by him at one of the best universe. Like you can only, ha there's only going to be so many of those cases. Like we said, like you had, you know, uh, the Bayheims at Syracuse, you have uh, Johnny Dawkins kid at UCF. There's a, there's a Doug McDermott and, and his pop at, at Creighton. Like there's, there's a couple cases where like, there's a couple kids where it works out for, you know, like yeah. why, are, why is there this, like, you know, like you said, nepotism, there, there's just this, like, it's, it's just jealousy, man. Like, and I just think it's funny. Cause like, 
I know like where I come from, like if anybody in my family had the same opportunity to do the same thing, it'd be a, it'd be a literal no brainer. Like, yeah, yeah, no, Brad's going to come play on my team right away. Noah's going to play on my team right away. Like, and you, and you would want to. So, you know, I guess what I'm trying to ask with that and like, you know, people looking at you like, ah, Brad just had it sweet. He just walks into the door at Kentucky. Like, um, you know, we all have struggles on a day-to-day basis. We all have adversity and, and I have the awareness to understand that like just because you're brad calperry john calperry's son you are not excluded from that like you deal with your fair share of adversity maybe your adversity is better than others but like you still got problems you still got shit you got to deal with and so it's like how do you handle you know a lot of that noise that you know once upon a time probably hit you a little bit more since you were younger but now being older like how are you handling it now well it's like a lot of it so i have two older sisters and my older sisters are very uh they're 10 and seven years older than me, if that says anything. So they would like, when I was younger, they would pick on me and like, you know, beat me up, whatever, like not let me do things. So like when I was younger, developing tough skin from them, like help, because I mean, they still give me a hard time till this day. Like it doesn't matter. They're going to give me a hard time till they die. And you know, right. that's going to be what it, their older sisters. And you know, that helped in some aspect of it, but at the same time, there's things like when Twitter got big, right. I'm like 12, 13 years old. I've made a Twitter. I've like grown men talking shit to me about like, <laughs> your dad did, like dudes are like 30, 40 years old. Oh, your dad's a cheater. Your family's this, your family. I'm like, uh, I'm in seventh grade. Like, what do you like, <laughs> like what, what is going on? Like, I don't know who you are. And like, that was just like constant for like years. Like there'd be games, something happened. You have fans tweeting at you. The same thing with my sisters. People do that to my sisters as well. But like, I never had the luxury of being able to say anything back. Like my sisters will go back at people. If I say something back, like I was on a team by then, like I couldn't, you know, you have to have your social media be clean and professional and all that. So like you always just have to like either just eat it, like whatever, just let it go. Like it is what it is. And, you know, as you get older, it begins to hit you. Like you realize people are jealous and it's like, I'm not taking away the fact that like, I was blessed for the position I was put in. It's like what people don't, a lot of people don't understand. Like my dad growing up was broke. Like he had nothing. So like everything he built, he built from the ground up. He didn't build it from the ground up to make it harder for myself, my sisters. And then if I have kids, like when I, like he's trying to make it generational and people are like, they'll be mad at you because like, all right, some people don't have that opportunity. It's like, all right, then if you don't have that, then it starts with you. But if you're not going to take the initiative, it's, it's different. So people are mad because he took the initiative and was successful and worked way harder than everybody, put himself in a position to succeed. Now he's making it an easier path, even though there are some things that are hard. He made it a slightly easier path for myself and my sisters, even though my sisters are in a completely different realm. Like my oldest sister is a scientist and people think like my dad helped. Like my dad has no idea anything to do with science not the first thing he's a basketball scientist but not a scientist not a scientist and like people understand they're like oh like your dad and she's like my dad watches the history channel not like like what are you talking about like she had a something where she was speaking and she asked him after she was like did you understand anything that i was talking about he's like nope no idea and then my woody (laughs) exactly and then my other sister is a vegan pastry chef do you think he has no like (laughs) vegan is the furthest thing he's gonna like ever he will never come close to eating anything vegan like he had (laughs) people just think like oh like they're completely different paths and 
they still think like, oh, that has something to do with like, dudes don't care. Like in science, people don't care. Like, oh, your dad, your dad coaches. They don't, they probably don't even know sports. Like most of the time, right. like their focus is something completely other than, oh, her dad, like mm-hmm. her dad, like my, like they don't care. And like, at the end of the day, <laughs> like it's their profession. Like, okay, I just so happen to do the same profession as my dad. Okay, whatever. Like, that's just what I love. Science is what my older sister loves. Cooking is what my other sister loves. Okay. That's, you know, that is what it is. Yeah. You know, people got to put it in proper perspective of like, what do you want from the kids? Like they're not, they can't do it. They were, they didn't ask to be born into it. They also, you know, kids in Africa that are starving, don't ask to be born into that. Like you don't get to pick. And just because, you know, your stack of cards maybe is a little bit better. Like there's just too much, like, you know, we've said the word jealousy and envy a couple of times, like, and that's really what it comes down to. Instead of just being like happier that a man like your father created an easier path for you guys because isn't that the goal isn't that the goal to grind it out and like give your you know your offsprings an easier path than what they had to endure you know yeah but what i think upsets people is with the opportunities that i have i take full advantage of them because my foundation growing up was you have to work harder than everybody you have to do more regardless of what position you're in because if you're not you're not going to be successful no matter what positions i'm going to give you you could open the door and not walk through it So he's given me opportunities. I'm taking full advantage of them by doing more doing more than what's expected and putting myself in a better position to not just maintain, but take whatever legacy it is to another level because I can maintain it and be fine and, you know, be complacent with what I'm doing, but I'm not because that's not how I was raised. That's not how my mom, my dad taught me how, you know, this is how you're supposed to be like, no, you're no better than anybody. You carry yourself a certain way. You do more, you work harder. And that's why you know, he is who he is. And right. my sisters and I, we're going to be what we are in whatever professions we're in. Yeah. And, you know, it always comes back down to like your upbringing, how you were raised. And obviously like, you know, coach Cal takes with him, you know, his mentality and that we see the public sees on the court and with his players, you know, to a different level to his own blood and family. And, you know, obviously he's going to raise you guys the right way. And, and, you know, obviously he's a smart enough man to, know the position that you and your your sisters were in while you were growing up and understand the magnitude of that and um you know kind of giving you guys a blueprint on how to navigate it like i always think about you know someone currently going through it in the mix is Bronny james like right. he's in that position of like he's a high major talent he's a class of 2023 so he's gonna be you know he's starting to get some offers and like it's it's he's cracking the window of like, you know, I'm, I could be an MBA or like, or maybe I'm not going to be as good as my dad. Maybe I'm going to need three years of college and my dad needed none. And there's going to be, you know, there already is, but there's going to be a million more comparisons for this kid. You got to think he's been hearing that since he was two years old. And it's like, right. For that to be something like you have to endure. Like I get that. Cause like people thought I'm supposed to be like the next greatest basketball player ever. And like, just cause my dad could coach like, okay, let's look at my daddy's five ten. my mom is five three what genetics do i have to be a, a freak athlete or like yeah. people like i've come on like that's right. not what it is but like for me like there's always going to be that pressure of oh your dad's this great coach and there's the times where like oh am i going to be like just regular or whatever but like my goal like i'm i want to be better than him i want to do more than him i want to make more of an impact than him Mm-hmm. and that's something like when there's that pressure you either succumb to it or you go at it and it doesn't really turn to pressure anymore so like right. when you have those type of barriers put in front of you and you have the mindset of like i'm gonna be great it doesn't matter what's happening like 
this is what I'm doing. This is going to be the same thing for Bronny. Like he's probably thinking in the gym, like, yo, like I don't care who he is. I'm going to be the best version of me. And if I end up being better than him, I end up being better than him. Like that's my goal. Like I'm trying to do more than what he's done. I, you know, I, I think one thing that people are probably thinking, you know, that I was, I started to think about when you said, you know, my dad has nothing to do with my sister being, you know, a vegan chef or my other sister being a scientist is that, Oh, people will always just bring it back to the money. And like, well, he can give you a hundred thousand dollar loan. And it's like, yeah, but like, again, you're going to shit on me for that. Like if you could get a hundred, you know what I mean? Like there's always these weird twists that are like, they're always going to inevitably be unfair to you, to Bronny James. Like, oh, well, Bronny James gets to work out with LeBron or Bronny James gets to work out with, you know, Keon Anthony gets to work out with Chris Brickley. And it's like, then choose that as he has the luxury of being around the best. So his dad's going to put him in the best position to be the best person he can be. And, and you look at look at like a kid like Michael Jordan's sons like they didn't pan out they didn't they didn't do anything no knock on them I don't even know their names I just know that they didn't end up you know utilizing the resources and the foundation that Mr. Michael Jordan gave them right. to really do you know anything crazy in the basketball world so there's you know countless people that are you know son the kids of basketball or, or just legends within the world that it's don't like, yeah like you have to give props to Bronny and Bryce both to like this is what they want to do. Like they know the pressure that's been around and they're going at it. Like they have a chance to be really good. Like they're going right at it. They don't care. They're, they know there's pressure, but they're just saying, you know, it is what it is. Like I'm doing me. Like I don't care what people have to say. Like, you know, like that takes a lot, especially like a a young, like dudes are like 17, 15 years old. Like, you know, that's at that age, like that's a lot, like, especially with how big media stuff is now. It's like you hear it more, like more at this age than probably what I did. And, you know, yeah. I heard it a lot. So, like, they have a much bigger platform than what I did at that age. Like, and sure. that is what it is. But, you know, to hear all that, like, constantly, like, that's like it wears on you. And for, for them sure. to be able to do what they've done, like, that's impressive. So, you know, you say it wears on you. And it wears on you in what way? Like, you're sitting in your room, 100,000 Instagram followers getting toasted in your comments or something like what, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm depressed. This sucks. Like, what are you sitting there? Like, you know, like obviously you'll let some of it seep in. It's like, Ow, that one hurt. Or why are these people being mean? Like what, you know what I mean? Like, what is that like? (laughs) All right. Last quick break, everybody. And we'll get right back into Brad's answer and so much more in the home stretch of part one. So stay with us. We'll be right back. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back here on part one of episode 15 of Walkie Talkies podcast with Brad Calipari. Let's get right back into Brad's answer. I mean, I would say it's, most of the time it's just like, dude, these people are crazy. Like, what are you guys like talking about? Like, there'll be times after games, people DM me like, oh, you fucking suck, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I didn't play that game. <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened? Like, I like, I don't, I didn't have anything to do. And, you know, there's times like most of the time now, like I just like I am completely off Twitter because Twitter is just like toxic. People just say whatever they want on there. And then like, Inst- Instagram, like if I don't like if you don't follow me or whatever, like you can't comment on my stuff. So like mm-hmm. I have it like limited to where like I don't see that because like at first everybody's just like you'd have people say whatever they want on it. You know, if people want to talk shit, they talk shit. But now it's like right. I limited that to where now like if i see it like i don't go on there as much like i don't really follow anybody so it's like i don't see other people's stuff and now it's like if i post something i get off like it is what it is but before where it's just like you're sitting there and you see stuff you're like why like what like what's wrong with people like why are you like for what Mm -hmm. you know it's not really a like oh that hurt it's just like what are you doing like why are you like for what like i didn't do anything i'm sitting here chilling talking shit for no reason <laughs> and you also probably wanted to respond that sometimes but like you said like you were attached to a team and you needed to keep everything yeah. professional and there were times where i says like i would say something back but never like anything crazy it's just like you know there are times where it's like certain things you gotta say stuff back and it's like come on like i i've gotten one one glimpse of that yeah it was like early in 2021 like NIL was recently passed and like I was starting this podcast and like the Washington Post wrote this little article about me. They didn't really portray the things that I said to them over the phone the correct way. And it made me, you know, whatever. I didn't really like the portrayal, but I'm reading the, I'm reading the comments and I'm like, this is insane. Like I gotta, I gotta stand up for myself. I gotta say something to these clowns. Like that's literally not true. You sound stupid, but I didn't, I didn't end up saying anything. I didn't care. Yeah, and, I was just and like, that's, that's the hardest part. You can't even look at the comments because most of the time people in the comments just say absolutely anything. And they yeah. have no, it was just my first little small moment of like people like seeing my name and I was like, what do they got to say about this story? And so I yeah, checked right. it out now and, and everybody was like, well, that was your, that was your first mistake. You should have never looked. And I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think all that's really interesting. And, and like you guys have a, you know, a different seat in the world that is just like 
something to embrace, man. There's really like, you can't ask out of it. You know, there's no way out. You can, you know, emancipate yourself and change your last name and, you know, get a different hair, whatever you could do if you want to detach, but it's like, that's not the case. Like you're just embracing this life that you were given and then doing what you can with the cards you were dealt just like everybody else is and, and trying to make your own path. And, um, I just think it's interesting, man. Like just see, like there's so many young kids now who's like dad's played in the NBA and now they're about to do the same thing. Like, and it's just funny because it's like, they should play in the NBA. If that kid wants to play basketball and their dad was in the NBA, they should play in the NBA. Like they, they, you know, they do it. They not like they need to, but like, if they want to, like by all means, like, like you're saying, work hard, put your, put all your chips into that basket and see what happens for you. Like, you look at Curry, you look at Clay Thompson, you look at, there's just like, it goes down the line. Like, of course those guys are the way they are. Um, and so I just think it's interesting, man. I'm glad that you were, uh, you know, willing to open up about some of that stuff. Cause obviously those stigmas exist. They probably will never go away. It's always going to be there, but you know, just you take life for what it is and you keep it pushing. So the, the, the transition I want to make from there is just like, you know, you being around the Memphis environment, the UMass environment, the Kentucky environment, all while you were growing up. And, and I want to talk about, start off with just your knowledge of the game from the early stages of your life, all the way up to college, like, you know, throughout playing AAU, middle school, high school, transitioning into college, like how, like you were around the game so much, like how advanced did you feel like you were? How much did you feel like you know, when you got to Kentucky, there were certain things that you hadn't picked up on that once you got there, you did pick up on. Um, but just being like, just talk about that knowledge that you were able to get ahead of over, you know, someone like me who didn't pick up on certain things once I got into the college system, like because you were exposed to all of it, you know, at such a young age. Um, like there are certain things just like being around it, being a practice that from like a young age, I would pick up naturally and you don't realize it until like somebody says something and you're like, Oh, like I knew that. And that's just something that like comes naturally. Well, certain things like certain spots you're supposed to be in certain actions. Like there are things that you just pick up naturally, you know, what reads to make, what plays to make, you know, there are certain things that, you know, really stand out that, you know, not everybody sees in real time. And for me, like, as I was growing up, like I always felt more advanced, like, what guys are supposed to be doing and what spots they're supposed to be in. And some guys didn't understand that. So it was harder for me. Like, do I not say anything or do I say something? Because like, you know, the coach also needs to say something. And it's like, maybe that's not my place right now. So that was like something for me to where I had to figure out, like there's time and place to be correcting guys or certain ways, because, you know, whatever the coach is saying, like, that's ultimately what needs to be done. So if he has a different opinion than what I'm seeing, then, you know, he needs to, whatever he needs or whatever he sees, that's what's going to happen. And like, when I got to UK, was that a lot of high school stuff for you? Was that like that, that example was more of you yeah. being in high school? Okay. Yeah. And like, when I got to UK, there were certain things just cause I'd been around dribble drive, like my whole life. Like I knew the actions, I knew a lot of them, but the only thing that was hard for me getting used to was the pace of it. So like the pace and the timing of it was a little more difficult. I wouldn't even say difficult, but like, it just took a little, like a small adjustment period. Like I knew the, the actions, the motions that were supposed to be in play, like the reads you can make out of it, but the certain timings and, you know, certain reads in real time were just like a, a shorter adjustment period. And it is for everybody because it's at such a fast pace. Right. And, um, 
you know, you obviously you jumped into a tier of pace that was completely different. Like we've said numerous times, you're around five-star talent and, you know, 13 of your past teammates are currently in the NBA and I'm going to rattle every single one of their names off. You got Bam Adebayo, Hami Diallo, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, SGA, Kevin Knox, Nick Richards, PJ Washington, Emmanuel Quickly, Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson, and Isaiah Briscoe's in and out of the league, but we all know that he's, you know, he's a motherfucker too. So, (laughs) um, you know, you're around all of that talent. You're competing against all of that talent. At what point around those guys were you able to kind of step in and be like, you know, obviously you're their friend, but also give them a little bit of mentorship because of like your background and like, man, like, of course I know this. Of course I can help you out with this. Like at what point was the respect and trust level earned, you know, with them where you could go up to them and give them some pointers or just like a quick tip that maybe a coach gave to them in a, you know, more obnoxious screaming version. And you just went to them with the friend version, you know, things like that. Like, when did you get to that point with guys like those, those guys? All right. I know we were all having a blast, but we will wrap part one of WTZE 15 right here and pick back up with Brad's answer to that question. I just posed next week on part two. We'll also touch on next week who Brad thinks his best teammate at Kentucky was, who the best in the Kentucky dribble drive offense was, who he was frying in one-on-one and post-practice runs, and more of the coaching side of what Brad is currently doing at LIU Brooklyn right now, and his time at UK as a graduate assistant. So much more to come. I do want to thank you all for tuning in, and I hope everybody enjoyed and does remember to subscribe and download the podcast so you don't miss out on part two next week otherwise what are we doing here you're gonna you're gonna miss even more juice anyway also if you guys could leave us that review at the bottom of the show page on apple podcast and towards the top of the show page on spotify part two is coming in hot next week you don't want to miss it hope to see you guys there Walkie Talkies is a production of iHeartRadio and the College Athletes Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare zumo play is your destination for endless entertainment with a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels movies and full tv series you'll easily find something to watch right away and the best part it's all free love music get lost in the 90s with iheart 90s dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iheart radio music channels no logins no signups no accounts no hassle so what are you waiting for start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and google play stores today all you can stream with zumo Play. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.